If you have your Bible with you, turn to John chapter 13. And as Adam said, if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in a chair in front of you or around you. And that that can be yours to take home. And I pray that it blesses you. Um, This is my first time speaking ever. Um, So if you don't know me, my name is Andrew Jordan. Um, Me and my wife, we've been coming to Rivercrest, I I guess, since the beginning. Um, We've been here with community groups, growing and uh, just enjoying seeing how God has been so faithful to this church body. And um, it's been an amazing privilege to just grow and, and, and see what God is doing here in Lexington. Um, and I just can't be in front of a better group of people that have seen me be up here before praying. And uh, I'm just thankful to be able to speak to you all this morning. So um, now would you stand with me as we read? We stand here at Rivercrest just to be reminded that this is the most true thing we're going to hear all morning and that this is the foundation upon which we stand. And so... I'll start in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, and he laid aside his outer garments. And taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. And let's pray together. Lord, as we look back into John's gospel, may we see you in your glory May we see how your love, how you love, and how you serve. May we not be distracted in this time, but turn our attentions and our hearts to your word and what you might say through me. And I pray that I would speak only what glorifies you and what is true and what grows our family this morning. So guide us, lead us to understanding more about your son and about his faithfulness. And we love you. Amen. You can have a seat. So... If you're anything like me, um, we've been doing John, I guess, for seven months. We took a break this Advent season, and you need a little bit of a refresher. Um, so back all the way in chapter 1, we see Jesus call his first disciples to himself. In chapter 2, we see him go to this wedding in Cana, uh, where he turns water into wine, and we see 
him say this phrase to his mother, my hour has not yet come. And later we see him go to this well in Samaria where he sees this woman and he tells her about how he is living water. And he also says to her, my hour, the hour is coming. It has not yet come. And again and again we see Jesus say this phrase. He says it to the Jews. He says it to his disciples. And if we look back in verse 1 right here, John makes a big shift in his gospel. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. The hour has come. This is totally purposeful by John that this last third of his gospel is going to be about Jesus' last moments on this earth. And so with this shift, we understand that Jesus has been preparing for this for his whole life. I know I, and I, did, I did cross-country growing up, and I did um, pretty well. I, I, I made it to some state meets and whatnot. And, you know, that whole season, that whole preparatory, all those meets, everything that came with doing this sport, I mean, it led up to just one race, right? And that's a little bit of, it of how Jesus is looking at this at this night, at this, at this final supper with his disciples. So Jesus, he's, he sees the shadow of the cross. He knows that he's going to depart, depart back to his father. He knows that he is going to be betrayed. He knows that these men are going to abandon him. He knows that they don't understand, and yet he chooses this specific time to wash their feet. And he does he just doesn't do this with anyone, right? I mean, he's been growing with these men for three years doing ministry. He's so close to these 12 men more than anybody else. And so this is a very special time. This is a very intimate setting that Jesus has set up. And I know they've done meals before, but this one's a little bit different, right? And so with the shadow of the cross upon him, he loves his own until the end. His own. We've talked about how Jesus is a shepherd. We've talked about how Jesus is, he knows his sheep and his sheep know his voice. So these, these 12 men, they're experiencing a great love of Jesus. So although Jesus mediates only for his people, he serves each one of them, right? Because we know one of them, one of them really doesn't know Jesus. But he doesn't single him out. He doesn't particularize certain people like James, John, and Peter get something a little different. No, it's for it's all 12 get to receive this washing. Even though they'll deny him, even though they'll betray him. Some will fall asleep when he asks them to pray. I know I, I do that sometimes. <laughs> but then he does something really bizarre, and he takes a towel. He take, Well, he takes off all his clothes, and he puts on a towel... And he begins to wash their feet. And that's not like any dinner party that I've ever been to where the host took off their clothes and started washing people's feet. So as you can understand, I think the disciples were a little bit unnerved, even though this would kind of be customary to see a slave do something like this, right? Not a Jewish slave, a Gentile slave. This was not something that even a Jewish person would consider doing. So a Gentile slave is what Jesus looks like now. And as he's going around, the disciples, I imagine, are very uncomfortable. R.C. Sproul, he says about this passage, it was not his deity, but his dignity that Jesus laid aside. 
for the sake of his people, he descended from glory to lay down his life. So Jesus was no less in control. He humbled himself below the disciples. He humbles himself below us when he washes us clean. So the disciples are being taught something here. The washing of the disciples' feet is to point them forward to the ultimate cleansing of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So when we have made a profession of our faith, when we believe, when we have been baptized, and we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that water doesn't really make us clean. It's the symbolism. It's the, it's the belief in our heart of what Jesus has actually done. And it points us back to the moment in time where he paid for everything that we did. And just as he's washing their feet, he's pointing them forward to this moment when they will be redeemed, when they will be sanctified, when they will be understanding of what exactly this means. And so these disciples, you know, John writing this, he, he often, I think, puts Peter as his spokesman. And he kind of speaks what, at least what I would be thinking. Um, so look, let's look in verse 6. Lord, do you wash my feet? That's what Peter asked Jesus. Um, so when I was in college, my freshman year, my first semester in school, um, you have a lot of freedom. You have a lot of new things. College kind of was on the back burner of my mind, even though that's what I said I was in, right? So school was not necessarily where I was pointing all of my uh, attention. And um, I was on an, that life scholarship, right? That, that half of your scholarship uh, or your tuition is paid for if you keep a certain GPA. Well, I wasn't doing that very well. Um, my, uh, my grades were slipping, um, and I honestly didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. I was just kind of wandering through, meeting new people, trying to figure out exactly where I was supposed to be. Um, and so I knew that my parents were not going to be very happy when I came home for Christmas um, and told them that I was probably going to be losing my scholarship. And my next semester was looking even more challenging than the first. So... Um, I remember waking up Christmas morning and coming downstairs and, I mean, knowing my parents, they don't really do this sort of incredible act of love, right? They, they, in my living room was a kayak, right? I, I love kayaking. I love being able to take friends and go down the river or, or paddle around the lake, but as soon as I saw that, my, my first thought wasn't, oh my gosh, I get to go kayaking. It was, I don't deserve this. I mean, I just had to come home and tell my parents how I'm wasting their time, wasting their money, don't know what I'm going to do, and yet you're providing for me to keep going. And then you, you give me a kayak, a green, a green wilderness system, the oar, the life jacket, the seat that reclines and is really nice. I didn't, I didn't deserve this. And I think that's a little bit of what Peter is feeling right now. Jesus, I... I've seen you heal blind men. I've seen you take lepers and make them clean. I've seen you walk on water. And you, I am not someone whose feet, sh- sh- you shouldn't be washing my feet. I know exactly who I am and who you are. But Jesus, let's go down to verse 8. You shall never wash my feet. But Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Peter does a whole 180, <laughs> Right? whole 180. Not my feet, hands in my head, let's do this. I am all in, Jesus. 
but I think I think we we miss something if we just jump straight into that 180. I think Peter went through something that I want us to know is that we must receive the love of Christ although it may be uncomfortable to let him wash us, to let him serve us, but he's the only one who can do it. Jesus doesn't force himself onto Peter. He doesn't say, Peter, you have no idea. Fine, we don't have to do this. He says, you have no share with me. And as soon as Peter hears this, he knows that this is what he needs to do. That if this is what it costs to follow Jesus, to have a share with Jesus, he's going to do this, all of him. And so I'm going to ask people in this room today, if you haven't let Jesus wash you, I would encourage you to let him because he's the only one who can do it. Because he's the only one capable of washing our sin away, the only one of taking our guilt and our shame away, the only one that makes us righteous. This is a hard truth. I don't think many people believe in a God around the world that would humble himself to be the garb of a slave and to wash the dirty feet of 12 grown men. Judas would not have understood such a renewal as the other disciples received because it's from your heart, right? It's not a matter of washing your outside. It's a matter of what's going on inside. We see Peter's heart change when he doesn't want it to wanting it. He speaks it. But Judas is different. He says down in verse 10, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean and all of you are clean. Or, and you are clean, but not every one of you. So as I said before, if you've been baptized, if you've made a profession of faith, and you trust in Jesus to be your Lord, you don't need to carry around your guilt and shame where you need to be washed all over again. Peter misunderstood it, as I would have <laughs> in this really uncomfortable scenario. But we do need to be reminded each and every day of how Jesus cleanses us and has taken away the sin and the shame that he had to pay for but he doesn't need to do it all over again. He doesn't need to fully submit the wrath of the Father onto himself. He already did that, so we don't need to carry it around anymore. So this isn't so much about Jesus setting an example for us as how to love God, but rather Jesus demonstrates the vast love that God has for his children. This is the motivation behind why Jesus was going to the cross. This humiliating act that he set aside specifically for this night the night he would be betrayed, later tortured and abandoned, he chooses it to wash their feet. So what are, we, what are we supposed to do with this? As you and me, believers in Christ, what are we supposed to do? Let's look to verses 14 through 17. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So Jesus clearly states here that this is what we should do, right? I don't know how we go around it. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also wash one another's. I've given you an example. So I guess it's not a matter of exactly why we do it, why being Jesus told us to. If we trust in him, we believe in him, then we'll do it. And it's not a matter of who or what, it's one another. Jesus later says in this very chapter, verses 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. 
By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I think it is a matter of when will we do this? When will we serve? How we will serve? You don't need to be a pastor to go over to someone's house and help them fix something or to clean something up. You don't need to be memorizing passages that are 20 pages long in order to just bake somebody a meal as one of our members did for somebody who got a terrible phone call. You don't need to be a certain age to send somebody a text message to encourage them. You don't need to have a certain standard in order to lay yourself low and to serve somebody in this church family or outside of this church family. So... I know this is going to be awkward, but I need, I, I'm going to make a challenge <laughs> as my first time being up here. <laughs> I know that there are many ways to serve, but there is a specific one that Jesus asks us to do in washing one another's feet. So I would encourage you to take initiative in your community groups or, or in your own family and, and wash one another's feet. Me and my wife, we were talking about this. I, I think I have the smelliest feet in the room by far. I Twice as much as the next man, people can smell it from houses down. And I know my wife, my wife doesn't even want me touching her feet, so I don't know who's going to wash her feet. But, <laughs> but this is, I think this is important for us to, to demonstrate to one another that when you, think, when you think about the people in your community group that you've been growing with, that, that you trust, that you confess things to, that's all part of serving but I would challenge us to go into our community groups and wash one another's feet. You don't need to take off your clothes and put on a towel. Don't make it that weird. But do it and be reminded of the sweet freedom that Christ has given us in the cross. Be reminded that he washed away our sins, that we are no different than the one sitting next to us in the room, that everybody's feet stink, right? Right? And it comes from a heart posture. Don't be receiving something that doesn't matter to you. Jesus says, you have no part with me when we don't do this. So I would encourage you again, if you do not know the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, or if you feel like you've been going far away, come back, let him wash you. Let him clean you. He's the only one that can do it. And I'm asking us to do it with people that we're close to. Don't invite random people in to something that Jesus served or saved just for his, for his 12. So, we look to verse 17. Blessed are you if you do them. So this is why we serve, to honor Christ our King who came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So just consider washing one another's feet. Consider washing them in your own home one evening. And be reminded of the sweet freedom of sins being washed away forever. Serve as Christ served, for from it shines love. Okay? That's all I have. Let's close in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you set an example for us, that we don't need to walk without a shepherd. And I pray that we would be a people whose hearts stir to servanthood. And that we wouldn't be fearful or ashamed, but that we would be reminded of the acceptance and grace of your sacrifice. 
Help us to go low like you did. Help us to accept the daily cleansing that we need. May others see your goodness through our love towards our brothers and sisters and show us calls to action to when we will serve. It's not designed just for certain believers or for certain members of your body. You've called all of us to serve. You draw us to ourselves. Help us to come to you and be washed by you each and every day. We pray all this in your son's precious name. Amen.